This is the Love Your Mom Life podcast, where we get real about getting out of your motherhood rut and creating a mom life you love. I'm your host, Nikki Odin, and I know a lot about what it's like to not love your mom life. Being a mom is hard, and being a mom with goals and dreams is even harder. Over the years, I've spent a whole lot of time on the hot mess express trying to harmonize motherhood with everything else I want out of life. But eventually, I figured it out, sort of. You can create a mom life you absolutely love. So come on, let's do this thing together. Before we dive in, this is my cute little reminder to please hit that subscribe button. Be sure to follow us on social, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, be sure to visit the blog at youridealmomlife.com for real life solutions to help you take back your time and love your mom life again. Hello, my friends. Welcome to this episode of the Love Your Mom Life podcast. I absolutely cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest who is here to talk about redefining what it means to be a working mom in a world without quote-unquote working dads. Before we meet her, here's my quick reminder that some of the best ways to support this show are to, one, make sure you're officially subscribed or following. So go ahead and take a second to hit that plus or checkmark button in your podcast app. And two, leave a rating and a review. And if you like this episode, share it with a mom you love. We are all about moms supporting moms here at the Love Your Mom Life podcast. And the stuff we're talking about today absolutely needs to be heard by other mamas. Also, are we friends? All you have to do is follow me on Instagram and I promise you we will become friends. My handle is super easy to remember. It's Nikki Odin. And I personally manage that account. So I see every single like, comment, and DM and follow. So if you follow me, I will see it and we'll we'll connect. So go ahead and do that right now. Last thing before we dive in. I'm super excited to share that We Magazine for Women recently named my new book, but definitely wear mascara worth reading. We Magazine for Women is a business and lifestyle magazine for women whose mission is to inspire, promote, and inform. And I'm honored that they selected but definitely wear mascara as a worthy read for their readers. So if you still haven't grabbed your copy of my new book, get on that train, mama. The link to grab your copy is in the show notes. And if you're one of those moms who just needs a sneak peek, you can download a free chapter at youridealmomlife.com slash free chapter. And now let's meet our guest. As the founder of Mom Who Works, an organization that aims to support working mothers, today's guest is tired of all of the biases that come with the term working mother, less pay and career mobility, unnecessary bias, and mom guilt, to name a few. Her new book, Mom Who Works, supports the working mothers who live in a world without the phrase working dads by teaching actionable strategies to seamlessly incorporate the mother and you into each and every part of your life. 
Today's guest is a mom who works as CEO and founder of James Martin Company, helping candidates and nonprofits create and implement intentional development strategies. She served as chief storyteller for an Oklahoma City-based nonprofit and was a co-founder of the 111 Project, a nonprofit that serves children and families in foster care. She earned her master's in political management from the George Washington University and her undergraduate degree in politics and law from Southern Nazarene University. She lives in Oklahoma with her husband and three children, Bobby, Jake, and June, and a dog named Nicey who rescued them. Connect with her on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Mom Who Works or on her website, momwhoworks.com. I'm super excited she's here. Welcome to the show, Jenna Worthen. Hey, Nikki, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such an honor to have you. I love what you're doing. And it really is such a paradigm shift to think about the term working mother and kind of all the baggage that comes along with that. So let's start with what got you riled up about that term or what made you want to go on this mission of redefining what that means? Yeah, thank you for asking. So it was all the way back in like 2016, I was on a run and I was just kind of in that place where I was feeling just exhausted by everything on my plate. You know, I I wasn't tired of being a working mom, Mm -hmm. but the weight and heaviness of all the things that came along with that were really, I mean, it was really heavy in that time. And it just kind of felt like a divine inspiration of this phrase and this idea of, but like, what would it mean to be a mom who works? Because no one calls my husband a working dad, right? Right, like, and the reality is, we do label people, and like labels come with external and internal expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's some of the stuff that we don't always talk about. Uh, You know, it is less pay, less career mobility. Those are some of those external, you know, workplace bias. We've got documentation on all of that, sure. But I think that sometimes we don't talk about too some of those internal triggers, shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. And the ordering of the words matters because working mom implies two different things. One, that work comes before being a mom, Hmm. which, you know, it does in seasons for me, for sure. There's times where like, yeah, my work is the most important thing I'm doing in that moment. And, but the mother part never leaves you, you know? And, And then the second piece is it also implies that work all types of work that you're doing as a mother, both in and out of your home, comes before the mother herself Mm. and who she is and what she wants and her dreams and desires. And so it's just a label that I'd like to reject. We don't ever, you know, it's not really acceptable in my eyes to label someone by, you know, uh, for starters, something that could be temporary, um, but also something that can be you know, used, used for and against them. You know, it's such a, it's a label a lot of us wear with a badge of honor. Um, but I think that the ordering of the words matters so much because we don't see it for our male counterparts. We definitely don't. And you're absolutely right. My husband is never called a working dad. No. And it's very interesting. You know, I, I have to say, I've never really thought about it. I tell people all the time that my podcast is for working moms and I'm a working mom, mm-hmm. I, and but I, I think you are right about some of the expectations that we sort of imply, and then and perhaps quietly take on mm-hmm. without ever really discussing it. So how do we how do we shift that label? How do we reject it? Like you said, I loved when you said that. 
Yeah. So something that's in my book, I give you kind of two strategies that I feel like are some of, have been some of the anchor work um, in the mom who works community. Um, but the first one I want to talk about is the mom who works manifesto. Hmm. So there's this idea. Um, let me back up just a little bit. So I think that one thing that we talk about a lot is doing it all. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that comes pretty synonymous with working mom is mm-hmm. do it all, right? Right. And the reality is you can't do it it all unless you define your all. Yes. And Nikki, your all looks different than my all. Right. And my all looks different than yours. And it doesn't mean that yours is right and mine is wrong or vice versa. They're different. And that's honestly the beautiful part about being in community with other women is mm-hmm. seeing all those different their alls, if you will. Yeah. So one thing that I really challenge you to do is work on defining your all and creating your mom who works manifesto. So it's a document of statements about who you are and why you do what you do that you can return to over and over and over again, especially in the days of triumph and in the days of defeat and every day in between when you need to come back to the why. Yeah, because uh, I think that that's so critical to define. Because I, I don't know if you're like me, Nikki, but you know, I want to work. I do. You yes. know, that that brings me a tremendous amount of purpose, and the work I do to me is meaningful. And you know, I, I but there are days when it can just be there's a lot going on, and I can go, "What am I doing?" And it's like, okay, yes, let me like come back, find a little bit of centering here, ground my feet back in what I have said of about who I am and what I want to do. And I think that that's a really powerful exercise. Definitely. I I think it's just like any other goal, you have to keep it in front of you. You have to remind yourself when things get tough and, you know, hairy and it feels insurmountable. Why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? It's really a very powerful tool. So what's the second strategy you talk about in the book? Yeah. So I think that another thing that's really important to do is to regularly be checking in. Okay. So the thing that we, I encourage my community to do is the mom who works grid. Hmm. So it gives you four different grids. So you're going to assess what works, like what is working for you right now. And this could be something as simple as like, Grocery delivery. <laughs> I love grocery delivery. That is working right. for me. Yes. Like that's working <laughs> for you. Um, maybe it's that, you know, it, it could be something too, like you're letting your hair go gray. Great. Because like going to the salon is not a fit anymore. Or it could be something like I'm time blocking now, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Or, you know, I was in a really long season of like a 10 minute workout. That was all I could fit in. And if I just admitted that it was only 10 minutes and that was enough then I could do it. But if I thought I was going to do an hour, it wasn't going to work. You know, so you've got to identify what is working for you right now. Okay. And then you have to kind of look at what are some of the fails that you've had. Mm. It's another quadrant of the grid. And I like to use the word fails because failures feels so kind of like permanent. (laughs) And I think that again, it can be another label that we put on ourselves of like, oh my God, I'm a failure. You know, I missed that dress up day at school or, you know, like the stuff that really can come out of the blue and you know, it's not that big of a deal, but if you're already kind of feeling down on your mothering that week, Mm -hmm. it can really set you in a spiral. So what are some of the fails that you've had that are both literal and perceived? Okay. Mm, So what I mean by that is like, there's a literal fail if I do not meet the objectives of a contract that I have with a client 
Mm -hmm. right? I said I was going to do something and I didn't do it. That was a fail. I'm not a failure, but that was definitely a fail. And then the perceived ones are, you know, well, my jeans don't fit right. Well, who said that you're not a size four anymore? What What's wrong with being a six? You're not a failure. Right. But like, that's a perceived fail in your life, you know, or we're eating out too much. That's one I wrestle with a lot because of just the cost of that. But it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's not necessarily, a f- I'm not a failure. My family's eating, you right. know, so <laughs> um, they're okay. So we're going to look at what works. We're going to look at some of your fails. And we're going to take those two pieces of information and figure out what you need to quit. So I love that. what do I need to quit? Do I need to, do I need to quit? You know, um, that's where I think stuff like mom guilt can come in and comparison. And mm-hmm. what do I need to quit? Is there a client who really is draining and I need to quit because that would free up so much emotional space and capacity? Um, is there an activity that our family keeps trying to fit in that we need to just say that's enough? Yeah. Um, is it something as simple as like, uh, I quit painting my fingernails because I just, I couldn't keep up with it and it kind of bothered me. And again, it can be that small. <laughs> I, I know. Cause, but it's like and that it, little thorn in your side and it affects yes, your energy. It does. And then we're going to take those things that we need to quit because that's going to free up space for our dreams. Mm. Okay. And the reason that I use the word dream is different than goals. Because there's a definition of dreams that calls it an ideal intention. Oh, I love that. And I love the permission and the freedom that comes with that, as opposed to yet something else we're supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. right? Like sometimes I I am a goal setter, but I also know that like right now I've got something that's been on my to-do list for like three months and I just keep missing it. And it's just a goal. No one is going to die if I don't do it. Right. Um, you know, I'm not going to lose money, nothing. It's just like this goal I've set that is driving me insane, right? <laughs> well, instead, if I can kind of look at my dreams, what are my ideal intentions, you know, then that's what I think that you can really start to, again, it fits into what your all is, right? right. And it gives you some freedom and permission And it's a super simple exercise that we have moms that do it once a month. They do it quarterly. We do it once a year together um, as a community. You know, whatever that looks like, I think that it's a really important and simple tool for you to say, okay, what's working? You know, what have I been bothered by that I feel like I've been, that I failed at recently? You know, what are some things that I need to quit? You know, and then the final one is dreams. You know, what are the ideal intentions for my life and my family's life in this season right now? And what a powerful way to create some awareness. I think a lot of times, especially as moms who work, it can be easy to to go through day after day after day and not think about those things and just kind of keep going through the motions. And then you look back and you're like, oh, a year passed again. And what am I doing? Where am I going? So checking in with yourself that way is incredibly powerful. And, and that awareness spills over into everything else you do and the intentions that you continue to set for yourself and the actions you take or or stop taking so that you're continuing to use your time in ways that serve you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really transformative. Um, And I think it also begs, it goes hand in hand with this question that my life coach, Mickey, has taught me over and over again. But, um, you know, who said that? So who said that, you know, what voices am I allowing and inviting into my life? Right. 
you know, we're, we're the first generation raising these moms, these moms raising the, well, yeah, raising ourselves as moms, but also our families in an era of social media, you know, with just, just, and I'm not knocking it, but it's just so many voices. And when we are real clear about our why and what our all is just for me and my family, you know, we can allow those voices that have no business speaking into our lives to drive comparison and guilt and shame and some of those internal triggers that I do think come with working mom. It's so true. And I often, I this reminds me of a concept that I very strongly believe in and I talk about in my book, which is that you are basically the average of the five people you hang around the most. And I don't mean physically hang around. I mean, the people you are listening to, the people you're taking advice from, the people you're venting to. And that goes in with like, who said that? You know, mm-hmm. who says that this isn't okay? And if you're, if you're not careful about who your five are, I mean, for some people, their five might not even be people they've ever met, but it's just people they're listening to or watching on Instagram, for example. It, it can really affect your thought patterns and then in turn your actions and then your results. So it's something you have to be really careful about. So I, I love that, again, having that awareness. How often do you say to yourself, I love my mom life? A lot, hopefully. But if sometimes you sort of feel like motherhood is one long ride on the hot mess express, you're not alone. As a mom, you have the best intentions of getting your to-do list, your goals, and you know, your life in order. And sometimes you kind of do, but then a small human asks you repeatedly for a snack and you completely lose track of what you are doing. Sound familiar? Our mission at Your Ideal Mom Life is to help moms take back their time and get more of what they want. And we have a fun and simple and free way to help you make that happen. It's called the Mom Life Challenge. During this challenge, you'll learn how to create a mom life you absolutely love. In three days, you'll jumpstart the habits you need to organize your life and your schedule. Translation, less mom fails, more winning. And did I mention it's free? Visit us at youridealmomlife.com slash momlifechallenge and join thousands of other moms who are taking back their time and loving their mom life again. So tell me more about this concept of disconnecting ourselves. I know that as moms who work, we sometimes do divide ourselves into different or separate people. So what strategies do you share in the community about how to carry mother into every aspect of your life? Yeah, I think that being a mother is not something that we can separate out. You know, Now, am I thinking about what my kids need right now while I'm talking to you? No. No, but my cell phone is always nearby, right? In case course, school is right. going to call or the nanny's going to need something. You know, all of those things are ever present. And I think that whenever we try so fiercely to be one version of ourselves here at work and one version of ourselves at home and one version of ourselves with our friends, it's like we, I think that if we can stop trying to compartmentalize some of those avenues and instead merge it, just accept, like, I no longer, one of the big things I teach our gals and that they've taught me is I no longer keep to-do lists that are sectioned out. 
Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because everything I need to do has got to be in one space. Agreed. You know, that's about integrated, wholehearted living. You know, if I need mascara and I need to fill out a field trip form and I need to put together a $50,000 contract, mm-hmm. those are all on the exact same list. Awesome. And I think that if you can really get, it's that integration, you know, and that that the mother part of me goes with me everywhere I go. Um, and I don't think that we have to be ashamed um, or hesitant to just step fully into that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. What are some of the pitfalls you've seen of disconnecting yourself? when women tend to separate themselves into different people? Like if some people are listening to this and they're like, well, I do that. What's so bad about it? What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I We talk about this journey of being a mom who works on becoming, remaining, and flourishing. Mm. And I think that at different stages, and actually I believe it's a journey that every woman is on, and you repeat it cyclically throughout your whole life. You know, So the becoming a mom who works starts even before you have a baby in your arms, right? You're trying to figure out maternity leave. And then Mm -hmm. here comes this baby. And so you're becoming this mom who works. You're figuring that all out. And then you get a little bit of grasp on that. Maybe the baby's starting to sleep and you start to decide like, hey, I'm going to remain here. you know. And I think that that's the stage there in the remaining that you can start to figure out how you want the intersection of motherhood and careerhood to look Mm -hmm. like for you. You know? And then once you can get through the remaining, then you step into flourishing, which I believe is the time too, whenever you're more available to help others on their journey. And then you start the journey over again at some point. Yeah. You know, I think you started over every, when your kids get out of being little kids season, Mm -hmm. Uh, you do it when you're an empty nester, you do it if you've taken a break from the workforce and you're returning to work. Totally. Um, You do it if you make a career shift, you know, like we're just cyclically doing that. So I think that as those women, there's nothing wrong. You, the thing is, is like, that's your, if that's your all, if that's how you live your all, then that is fantastic. But I believe that's how we've been expected to live for Mm -hmm. a very long time. Right. And I'm proposing something more dynamic, um, giving a place where it's not just permission, but it's also celebration. Yes. You know, uh, one Sunday, our pastor, our worship pastor was leaving on maternity leave. And our pastor gets up there, tells her how amazing she is, tells her to enjoy her leave, and then we'll be here waiting when she gets back. And the room gave her a standing ovation. I love that. And I cannot get this idea of that the wholehearted, integrated living piece of being a mom who works involves standing ovations you know, for leave, for returning, for accomplishments, you know, it's just, it's a different, I just think it's a whole new level, a whole new unlocked place that we haven't been yet, where we really are celebrating motherhood and careerhood and how beautiful that intersection can be. Yeah, that is very powerful. And I, I mean, you're definitely living it being, you know, the CEO of a company and then writing a book like this for other like-minded women or similarly situated women and still being a mom through it all, like being celebrating that that is part of the very fiber of who you are today. It's, it's incredibly inspiring. And I, I'm just curious, like what prompted you to write the book? Like what, what motivated you to put this out there for everybody to hold in their hands? Yeah. I, I sincerely mean this with my entire heart. 
my motto for this entire project myself is if it helps one woman, mm-hmm. it's worth it. Yep. And I am in a season. Well, the funny part is, is honestly, when the book got ready to launch, like when I was finalizing the book, to be frank with you, it was already written. We're just down to edits and all of that kind of stuff. I entered a season of burnout like mm-hmm. I had never been in before. Mm. So when I, I, you know, I wrote a book in a season where I was flourishing and I did have a lot to give, you know, and it felt like that gift. And to be frank with you, I feel like I'm back in the becoming again. I and I couldn't honesty. even tell you clearly like what that becoming is leading up to because I still have the same job. I still have the same family. Mm-hmm. I still live in the same house, you know? Um, but there, I, I'm in a new stage of becoming again, and and I don't know where that's going to go. So if you are someone who finds yourself back in the becoming unexpectedly, you know you are not alone there. Because um, sometimes that, I mean, the burnout was real, and it, it's still lingering. It's been like a four month healing process. Yeah, it's powerful. It's very intense. It is intense. Yeah. I, but I love that permission, the perspective that you have there, and that you're like, well, I'm just becoming again, mm-hmm. and it's okay. It, and mm-hmm. I think burnout is a very necessary part of the process. I think it teaches us a lot. It teaches us in some ways what not to do, but also I think it can it show us what, you know, energy looks like and, you know, what attention looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's just another way for us to learn and grow as we continue to to go through those cycles. Uh, but I'm with you. I've definitely been there and I, I totally get it. It's yeah, it's a real it, thing. It, it is. It is. It's a real thing. And it's something that I think a lot of us don't want to talk about very much because, again, there's an admission that I can't do it all, right? Like if I like really wrestle with what this has meant for me, it has meant that I have not been up to my usual capacity and standards I have for myself, mm-hmm. you know? And you know what's the funny thing? I'm not sure anyone but me and maybe my husband have noticed. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like now I hope that my clients don't hear this and then they go, Hey, yeah, I actually noticed that you've been doing less work, but, (laughs) but like nothing major. Now I know some women do experience burnout on, you know, and there are major changes that come along with that, but so far there's been no massive fallout for me admitting that I need rest Mm -hmm. and admitting that I need help and admitting that I need more time to do things than I usually do. And that's a lesson unto itself. Like Mm -hmm. if I take a break, if I slow down a little bit, the world will still continue to spin. And by the way, perhaps I've been too hard on myself and not allowing that time for rest because nobody died, nothing fell apart, right? right? Right. I think that's that's also a lesson, like I said, in itself. And I think it's awesome and a great example and really inspiring to openly admit that. To openly admit that I that you know I go through burnout and and that's something that I've admitted as well. I need rest. I need to take a break. I'm going to follow my own advice here because I do talk about taking that time for yourself. And I'm I'm going to tell you guys, yeah, I'm I need I need a break right now. And I think mm-hmm. other moms who work really appreciate seeing that with the women who've come before them. Yeah, no, we're not always good at it. I'm not always good at it, but I'm trying to get better. <laughs> yeah, just like just like any other goal. Yeah. So definitely. let's talk quickly about the mom guilt. I mean, we, we've, I think that's, we talk about that a lot on this show, but I'd love to hear your take on how we can shed it and how we can, 
you know, up our energy and our happiness so that we can be the best moms we can be. Yeah. I think that that looks like a lot of rhythms and rituals mm. in your life. You know, we've already talked about like defining your all, right? So like staying hyper-focused on your why is what's so important. And to your beautiful example too, what voices we let in. But then I think that we have to find ways to protect our rhythms and rituals that keep us in that high energy place, mm, that, that keep that keep our lives as calm in the chaos as we can. Um, and I, this is a silly example, but like I hired professional organizers to take care of my master closet. They actually finished this last week. I cannot tell you the relief because like the rest of the house is in pretty good shape, but my space, my sanctuary had been absolutely neglected. We moved two years ago. Like I, I haven't touched, you know, it's just been a trash pit. <laughs> so I had to outsource some help there. You Good know, you. And to yeah. be honest with you, it's expensive. I had some guilt over that. Like this is something that I could do myself, right? Well, yeah, but again, but, you, you can't do everything. You cannot you physically can't do, do everything. everything, right? And so when I looked at spending, you know, they were here an entire day and they came and did measurements and then they sourced all this stuff. Like this was a massive project and I'm so grateful for them. I so bet. I think that some of the mom guilt is going, sincerely, your time is so valuable. It really is. Your time, barter, trade, cut out, you know, whatever you need to do to free up the funds and the resources, both time and financial resources to make space for your rhythms and rituals, I think is really powerful. We typically do like Memorial Day to Labor Day. There's usually anywhere from 12 to 14 weeks, kind of like depending on how the calendar falls, you know, and we do like a ritual renewal you know, like, mm. what are some of the rituals? Not just what's your daily habits and what's your daily schedule, but I mean, it is that to some degree, but what are the rituals? You know, is it a bath? Is it a candle? Is it, you know, just freeing up some workspace? I like to try once a quarter to spend the night in a hotel alone Ooh. and just not talk to anyone for 18 yeah. hours. It's really, if you do it in the middle of the week, you've got your childcare pretty much squared away. It's nice. Um, but what that are some amazing. Those rituals? Yeah. What are those rituals and rhythms that I build in to also know, hey, I'm getting really tired. And I know that in two weeks, that night is coming. Whatever right. that night looks like to like you. Something to work towards. Yeah. <laughs> like the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. That's been helpful to me to kind of get over some of that mom guilt. You know, and I, I think it dissipates a bit. The older we get, the more comfortable we get in our confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think the you know, more we experience mom guilt, the more we can re- realize that it it is a choice. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this a lot. We don't always have the most control over our first thought, which is when the mom guilt likes to hijack us. But we can take responsibility for our second thought and we can choose mm-hmm. not to dwell on that energy and in that not so supportive thinking that we're doing about ourselves. We're not always being nice to ourselves in those moments. And so the more we can practice that second thought and really recovering in those moments, I think the less we'll, we will experience mom guilt. But the first thought, it, it's, I mean, I, even with that awareness, I, I still have those first thoughts where I feel so guilty and I'm like, I can't believe I forgot that. Or I can't believe I let that happen. And then I have to remember that my kids at the end of the day feel so loved. They are so mm-hmm. blessed. They are well cared for. Mm-hmm. And that's really what matters. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I've been in this season these last few weeks too of really what what does matter. Mm-hmm. 
like when it's all said and done, not to be morbid, but like when it is all said and done, like what really matters, you know? And I think to your point that, yeah, I don't want to look back and think that I spent a bunch of time being guilty over, first of all, bare necessity care for myself, which is silly. Yeah. Like, you know, self-care is like, you know, synonymous with images of like all this health and wellness stuff that should be like your basic needs being met. Right. You know, like there, there's nothing guilty about like needing to go to yoga, right. you know, or like use some face wash, you know, yeah. like that is so crazy. Um, but yeah, the mom guilt, it's, it's your voices. And I think that your rhythms and your rituals can mm-hmm. help protect that. And, you know, watch those thoughts go by. They come, they go. They're yep. just thoughts. They may or may not be true. Exactly. You know, I have a, a, a coach who always said, any thought that makes you feel like crap about yourself is a lie. And I was yeah. like, yeah, you're right. And a lot of times those mom guilt thoughts, it's, they're just lies. So yeah. we just have to remember that. It's about that perspective and reframing it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So where can people get a copy of the book? Yeah, great. Thank you for asking. Uh, momwhoworks.com slash book has the link to all the retailers. It's in, you know, Barnes and Noble or online, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, some of those, there's a couple indie options as well there. Awesome. And, um, and then our Instagram communities at mom who works. Um, I've been again in a little season of burnout, so it hasn't been real ramped up, but I That's have right. got some help and we are going to be relaunching some really cool new initiatives there soon. And then personally, I'm Jenna Worthen. Uh, Instagram and Twitter are really the only places I hang out very much. Um, but I would love to meet any of you listeners in those spaces. Um, and Nikki, I just want to say to you, like the work that you're doing in this space is so powerful and it's so important. And I learned from a friend of mine, you know, we're always better when we're together. Yes. Like sincerely mean that. And um, so thank you for the work that you're doing to teach me and teach us. And uh, I'm inspired by you. Oh, thank you so much. I I really appreciate that. You know, sometimes when you're working in a space like this, you can wonder, can anyone hear me? Is anyone actually listening? Is anyone benefiting? But like you said, if it's just one mom, it's worth it. So I appreciate those words. It's nice to have the affirmation. And I really appreciate your time and you being here today. I love what you're doing. It's absolutely needed. And it's such a refreshing perspective on being a mom who works. So thanks again. Thank you, Nikki. Well, that wraps up our conversation with Jenna Worthen. I know you took a ton of value from it and a lot of new insight and perspective. Definitely grab her book. That link is in the show notes. And we'll see you next time on the Love Your Mom Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you took something of value from it. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone you love. And it would mean the world if you would leave a rating or a review. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Your Ideal Mom Life on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I can't wait to be with you in the next episode of the Love Your Mom Life podcast.